Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 27th, 2022, we continue our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, The Believer's Battle, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. For those who have a faith in Jesus Christ, God's law, his commands, are a good thing. The law lets us know how we can nurture and build this relationship with Christ. It warns us about the things that will damage our relationship with Christ. The law isn't something now that hangs over our head to just crush us any minute when we sin. We've been set free from that. Now the law is a roadmap, it's a guide, it's it's a light for our path, especially when the things around us are at their darkest. The motivation and strength to follow it now comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of us because we've already been set free. When I was 14 years old, um, I got invited to a meeting. I heard the gospel. Um, The guy that was speaking there asked anybody that wanted to make that decision that they should come forward. And I remember thinking to myself, there's no way I'm gonna get up and walk forward in front. And I did, I don't know why. That was the leading of the Holy Spirit. I went, I prayed this prayer to become a Christian. You know, I am a Christian, a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 tells me that God chose me before the foundation of the world. I have been forgiven I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I have been adopted into the family of God. God has reserved a place for me with him in heaven forever. Man, is that not good news? I mean, that's such an amazing and incredible blessing, all of that, but I still sin. The truth is all of us do. Every one of us, even though we believe, sin. And you may be saying, well, look, listen, I love the Lord. I don't question that at all. But we still sin. Well, I serve the Lord, and and I want to honor the Lord in everything. Awesome. But you still sin. We still sin. To say that you're not a sinner is to actually go against the words of scripture. John, the writer of the Gospel of John and three other New Testament books wrote in 1 John chapter one, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He dropped down to verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, the truth is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to do the right thing. But it seems like there are times I do the very thing that I hate. Do you know where that statement comes from? The passage we're looking at this morning in Romans chapter 7. So you have to understand that the Apostle Paul who wrote this is about as mature a believer in Jesus Christ as you could possibly be. This is the primary writer of the New Testament, the apostle to the Gentiles. But what Paul is saying here in the passages, there are times that even I, even this apostle, do the very things that I hate. The truth is, it's not actually that all that hard to sin. I mean, take just driving here this morning. Wasn't that hard for me to drive over the speed limit. 
Now don't act all holier than thou because I've seen you guys drive too. Okay. Last night, my wife and I went down to Cent- on, on Central and went to a pizza place there. And, and man, we witnessed people. The, the parking was crazy and people were just parking anywhere. It's like there was no you know, need to worry about any sign because people were gonna park there anyway. And then you know, people making U-turns where it says no. And, but it's not just driving. I mean, we let our emotions get away with us. I mean, they, they, they get completely out of control. We blow up at people and, and let our anger, because we've got this blocked goal in our lives, we let this anger spew out in front of all of these people and, and wound people along the way, and, and we shouldn't. We're frustrated. We're selfish. Got a blocked goal. Sometimes we blame other people. We lie, because we don't want to look bad. Why do we do that? Well, especially if if you and I have been redeemed. It's because there is one part of each one of us that has not yet been transformed. It's been redeemed, but not transformed yet. And that is my flesh. My heart, my mind, all of it has been redeemed and transformed. My flesh, not so much. It's still there. According to 1 Corinthians 15, there will come a day when my body will be replaced with a new one, one that will not be tempted with sin, but it will not happen until I die or the Lord returns. Until then, I will live my life with conflict. Let me sort of explain the context here. The moment that you and I trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, we are justified, which means God declares us righteous. Someday I will be glorified, which means I'm gonna get a brand new body, one that will not get old and one that will never be tempted. In fact, Romans chapter eight, verse 30 tells me that is already a done deal. It's already guaranteed. It's already done. But that's not yet. Right now, I'm being sanctified. And sanctification can be confusing. Because in one sense, God is totally done with me. In one sense, I am completely righteous. If I were to stop breathing right now, I would stand before the Lord as holy based on the merits of Christ. Totally holy. But I haven't stopped breathing. I'm still in my flesh, and as long as I'm in the flesh, I have conflict. Now, I'm not a slave to sin any longer, I don't have to sin any longer, but because I have flesh, I have conflict. It's something called now and not yet. Yes, I have been forgiven, yes, I've been born again, yes, I've been justified by God, yes, every part of me has been transformed except my flesh. It is now and not yet. Sanctification tells me that God is not completely done with me in this lifetime. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me give you a couple examples how it all works together. Romans chapter six tells me that we are dead to sin. But then Romans 6, 13 says, stop presenting your members to sin. It's now and not yet. Romans chapter six, verse 22 says, we have been made slaves of God. 
But Romans 6, 9 says we're supposed to, 6, 19 says we are supposed to act like we're slaves of God. Ephesians 1 tells me that we are in Christ. 1 John 2, 28 tells us to abide in Christ. Romans 4, 5 says we have been made righteous, but 2 Timothy 2.22 says we are to pursue righteousness. This is sanctification, folks. Sanctification is saying yes to what God has already done and doing in me. It's becoming who we are and who we are intended to be, and it is the battle that every believer faces. What Paul is doing here is he's actually telling us the truth about the Christian life. It's not easy. You know, so many people think that, you know, and boy, they come and they hear the gospel and Jesus is gonna forgive you and he's, he's gonna take you in his arms and put, make you a part of his family. And somehow or other, we have this tendency to think, oh, well, that means all of my problems will go away. No, it doesn't. It means my eternity is guaranteed with him. It means my, my heart, my mind's all been transformed so that I can think differently and not be a slave to sin any longer. But the truth of the matter is, there's still heartache. You think about the believer that walks into the doctor's office and the doctor gives him the long face and says, you have cancer. That's, why? Because we still have broken bodies. It's the one part of us that has not been redeemed yet. We weep because our children go this way when we're hoping and praying that they would go this way. Why is it that that hurts us so badly? Because this is not completely changed yet. This is the battle that we live in. Paul here you know, so many people early on thought, well, Paul must be talking to someone that's not a believer here. That's, that's not the case at all. He's talking to believers. In fact, he's using himself here as an example. I mean, if you were just to look at it from an English perspective, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter in verses 17, 7 through 13, all of the verbs are past tense, which tells me he's talking about his old life. But when you get to verse 14 through verse 25, all of the verbs are present tense, which tells me he's talking about right now, himself, as an apostle. So let me encourage you. Sometimes we think that if sin is a, a battle for me, I must be just a horrible Christian. I mean, ugh, I'm so weak. Actually, the opposite is true. You see, the more that you grow in an understanding of who our God is, the more that you grow deeper in your faith, the more that you understand who we are, the more you will quickly be able to recognize the sin that comes with the flesh and the battle against the world. And one, that's one of the great signs of maturity in our life is I can recognize it quickly and before it begins to you know, take root and take over, I repent of it and move on. See, Paul's point here is just as the law cannot justify a person, neither can the law sanctify us. We still need to say yes to the Lord. Now, this is a, a tough passage, but follow along with me as we read through this, will you? Romans chapter seven, verses 14 through 25. Paul says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, 
For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. But I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I I myself serve the law of God with my mind. Very important statement. We don't want to forget that. That's going to be part of the end that you really need to grab onto. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Now, the first thing that Paul's going to tell us here in verses 14 and 15 is the battle that Christians face. He starts off here in verse 14 with a conjunction four, which tells me he's not starting something completely new, out of the blue. But he's carrying on with the same thing he's been talking about. The problem here, as he says, is not the law. The law is actually spiritual. He says the problem here is our flesh. Verse 14, he says, but I am still of the flesh. Now, I want you to make sure you catch this because it looks like a small thing, but it's really a big thing. We are not in the flesh. We're of the flesh. There's a big difference here. If you're still in the flesh, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is, if we're of flesh, you're a human being. There's a big difference in the two. Romans chapter 7, verse 5 tells us that we're no longer in the flesh. We're no longer bound to sin. We're not slaves to sin. But because we still have flesh, we have conflict. And you can see that model and that example all through the scriptures. Like, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul describes the men there in Corinth as men of flesh. These were believers that he calls men of flesh. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he talks about fighting the good fight. Folks, if, if everything is, you know, kumbaya and we never have to battle against anything, why would he have to tell you to be ready for the fight? Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about not growing weary in our struggle. Every mature believer in Christ understands that there is still a conflict out there. Paul is making it clear here that it's an issue of the flesh. As a believer in Jesus Christ, my inner spirit has been born anew. It's been cleansed forever. The only part that has not been redeemed yet is that outer man, our our flesh. So what does Paul mean when he says the flesh? Bob, you keep talking about the flesh. You talk about actual skin. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh, he was talking about an actual physical ailment that he was dealing with. When the scriptures talk about Jesus coming in the flesh, 
They're talking about the fact that he would come along and being born in an actual human body. He was a baby. When Romans talks about the circumcision of the flesh, they're talking about an actual procedure that that took place on a human body. And so, yes, he's talking about our physical bodies. Whatever you want to call it, because people will call it different words. Until it goes away, we have conflict. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 42 through 44, he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. That is our bodies right now, perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, that's our bodies. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, that's our bodies. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Right now, our flesh is weak. It is perishable. But one day, our body will be a spiritual body, verse 44 says. And so if you look at verse 15 here, what Paul is doing is he's confessing the conflict that we live with. He says, for I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Even though I'm no longer a slave to sin, we are still subject to the deceit and the allurement of sin to the point that sometimes I do the very thing that I hate. Paul here is recognizing our inability to live up, our deep, live up to our deepest spiritual longings. As believers, our spirits want to obey the Lord in everything. But our flesh wants its own way. I mean, think back for a minute ago. Remember, I, I just read what John had to say in John 1, or 1 John 1. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What you've got here in verse 15 is Paul's confession here. It is the confession of a mature believer. Now the second thing he's gonna tell us here in verses 16 through 20, he's gonna give us an explanation of the battle. Verse 16, he says, Paul deals here with the source of our conflict. He says, sin that dwells within me. Paul here isn't trying to sidestep personal responsibility and he isn't saying it's not my fault and he's certainly not agreeing with the antinomians. We've talked about them in the past. Those were the people that said, look, all this sin around you, why do you worry? Only the spirit is good. Just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. He's not agreeing with any of those things. He's already told us, no, that's not good. Paul is, is talking about this battle that comes from our passions and our desires. You know, over in Galatians chapter five, verse 24, Paul describes the flesh as that, as passions and desires. And so to be fleshly is to act upon those desires and passions. To ignore it or to deny it simply makes you dishonest. It's there. That's why as we mature in our faith, we ought to be getting a growing awareness of our sinfulness. It's not that you and I ought to be growing more sinful. We ought to be be growing more in awareness of our sin. And the only way that happens is the more that we grow in Christ, the more I have this picture of, of, of perfection around me, the more easily I can understand and see the imperfection that I walk through every single day in this world. Let me give you an illustration of this. 
You come to faith in Christ. There are so many people that they come to faith in Christ and they they see the beauty of Christ's sacrifice in their life, but very often people will go, well, that's all I need. I don't really need to grow in my understanding of of who God is. I just need to be forgiven and know that I'm gonna go to heaven and I don't care about anything else. The problem is, is that if I don't grow in my awareness of Christ, I also don't grow in my awareness of my own sinfulness and flesh. And so that every battle that comes along becomes almost insurmountable for me and really rocks my world. What's the answer? Well, the answer is, when I come to Christ, the cross ought to be a growing thing in my life. I ought to be learning more and studying more and knowing more about who my God is because when I figure out who my God is, it sheds light on who I am. And then I begin the process of catching things very quickly. That's not what... That's not what God would have me do. That's not how he would have me live. I'm not doing that. That's a bad call. Look at verse 18 through 20. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells within me. How can that be? Nothing good dwells within our humanness. That's because it's the only part of me that has not been transformed yet. I like how Dr. John MacArthur calls it. He calls it unredeemed humanness. That's the battleground. Verse 19, he says, the wishing to do good here is here. He wants to do good like you and I would want to do good. But the wishing is not enough. We are called to be obedient. That's why Jesus himself would say in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you'll do whatever you want. No. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do the things that I ask you to do. Now the third thing the passage is gonna do is gonna give us an understanding of hope in verses 21 through 25. Now I will tell you that if you start reading 21 through 24, you're gonna go, I don't see a lot of hope in that. The hope comes in verse 25. I thought I'd just tell you up front here on that one, okay? Paul here is going to outline the conflict that believers have. Now, he isn't bailing out on on his responsibility for sin. He's actually identifying the problem here. Tells us that the battle of the inner man versus the outer man. And his transformed heart and mind have no desire to sin. He wants to love God, wants to please God, but there is a war raging between the spirit and the flesh. In fact, if you've got a Bible, turn over to Galatians, over to the right here, to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 17. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Notice what he says here. He's he's going to explain this, this struggle, this battle really well. In Galatians 5, verse 17, he says this. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. If you go back to Romans 7 and verse 23, it tells us it's a warning between the battle of our passions, the passion in my flesh versus the passion to serve and to honor God. And by the way, you should have a passion to serve and honor God. Jesus told us that. 
In Matthew chapter five, verse six, tells us that we ought to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now here's my question, very important that you catch this. If you're already righteous enough with your flesh, I'm not talking about a redeemed heart and mind, but if you're already righteous enough and about your flesh, why did he tell you to hunger and thirst for it? Because this part of me is the place that would be dishonoring to God or honoring to God with my flesh. Verse 23 says, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Not, you know, here's the thing. There's nothing really odd about Paul's condition here. Each of us who call Jesus Lord have the very same condition. From the moment that you and I received Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we completely were completely accepted by God and ready to meet him. 100% ready. But as long as I live in this flesh, there is that conflict between that completely redeemed spirit and my mind and that unredeemed flesh that goes on with each one of us. Verse 24, Paul tells us what a struggle this is when he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? To call himself wretched man, that's, I mean, clearly Paul is not blaming somebody else here. He isn't saying the devil made me do it. He's taking full responsibility for choices that he would make. Look at verse 25 here. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I serve, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So Paul thanks God while recognizing the conflict. Paul's admission here about our conflict and the sinful flesh are not an excuse for sin. It's not an admission of defeat. It is a recognition of the reality that we live with until the day that we die, that our flesh will one day be replaced with a spiritual body. You know, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'll come back and join me. Verse 25 here, Paul actually gives us hope. I mean, if you look at the, the passage here, what I see here is, first of all, his source of victory, that he's thankful to God for what God has done. Then you give his attitude in the conflict that he sees Jesus Christ as his Lord. And then you get his choice of action, and that is to serve the Lord, that in the midst of the conflict, he will serve the law of God with his mind. Now, the question is this. Who wins in this battle? In the battle that takes place between my redeemed heart, mind, and my unredeemed flesh, who wins the battle? There's an, there's an old story about a very wise old man who was sitting with a younger man talking about this very thing. The younger man was really distraught at, at doing right and then at times doing wrong and he didn't understand the conflict in his mind and the older man simply told him, he says, you know, there are two wolves fighting inside of you. The younger man was a little taken back by that. He finally looked at him and he said, which one wins? And the older man said, the one you feed. 
the one you feed wins. If you feed the flesh, it wins. You know, David, King David asked this very question back in Psalm 119. In verse nine there, he said, how can a young man keep his way pure? And in verse 11, he gave the answer. By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I may not sit against you. Paul would say, close to the same thing in in Philippians chapter four that this conflict is really all about who do we feed? Your conflict is about who you will feed. Who are you listening to? I run into so many people today that are so fired up and so mad about so many things. Focus back on the cross. Focus on what our God has done for us. Paul writes and he says these words in Philippians chapter four. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. How does victory come in our flesh? By feeding that redeemed spirit inside of me, by saying yes, by agreeing to what God has already done. By saying yes, Lord. By filling my mind up so when decision time comes, I am not influenced by things that I see on, on some TV show, you know, in the middle of the day or some news talk, you know, thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm focused in on what does God have to say? That's how my decisions come. There is victory to be had, folks. There is victory to be had Ultimately, there's a victory that's already taken place. And there'll be even a greater one that's coming. But you don't have to walk in defeat right now. I can agree with what God is doing and just do the things that he tells me to do and walk in victory right now. This morning, we're gonna take communion. If you don't have one of these little communion things, would you slip your hand up? We've got some people that will provide those for you. If you just put your hand up, we'll, we'll get one to you. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 writes something incredibly interesting here about communion. In 11.26, he says, let a person examine himself. In other words, take a look at your life. Are there things between you and the Father that need to be dealt with? There's some things maybe that that are just not right. Examine yourself. He says, and then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The point being is you should take a moment to make sure your heart is right. And then once you're there, the idea is that we will remember the Lord's sacrifice together. So would you take a moment right where you're at?
verse 23, Paul writes, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Pray with me. Father, Father, we're so thankful that you have declared us righteous. We're so thankful that you have a place for us to be with you forever. The confusing part is what happens in this life. Help us to trust in you, to fill our our hearts and minds so full of the truth of who you are that every decision Every decision would have you and your word and your truth as the guide for those decisions. That we might trust in you. That we might find our peace and direction in you, Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know there are gonna be a group of people that would be down here. They're gonna be available to pray with you. They would love to be able to, to pray with you, for you. But I wanna encourage you that If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not a slave to sin. You do not have to live like that. The battle that's raging out there that goes on between the flesh and that redeemed mind, say yes to the Lord. Fill your mind up with things that will cause the the Christ, the, the, the cross to grow even bigger in your life so that you'll know exactly the truth about who our God is and exactly the truth about who we are. And watch and see the difference that will happen in your life. God wants us to grow to be that. And you know what? It's a great growth. I challenge you this week, begin to hide God's word in your heart. Begin to fill your mind up with things that are true and right and honorable. And watch God do something amazing in your life. It'll be a great ride. God bless you. I love you all. Have a good day.